Let's jump right into it. We only got a few minutes uh, to finish up this morning. We're finishing up Total Forgiveness Part 2. We're talking a little bit this morning about the forgiveness process because forgiveness really isn't just a message topic. Forgiveness is a foundational truth of Christianity. I mean, if you really look at all of Jesus' teaching, everything Jesus said, there's, there's only one subject that I've ever seen Jesus talk more about than forgiveness, and that was money. Money, money was the only thing he talked more about than forgiveness. I mean, it, really, Jesus' entire message to us as believers to follow him can be summed up in two words, give, forgive, give, forgive. And forgiveness is one of the key truths of Christianity. And, he, and every time, you know, you, you announce a subject like this, there are people that, you know, that many of you right now are just sitting out there saying, oh boy, here we go, I've got to buckle my seatbelt, this is going to be a rough morning, because immediately something comes to your mind. Immediately there's a grudge, there's a resentment, there's a bitterness, there's an anger, there's a rage inside of you because of what somebody did in your life, and you're sitting out there gritting your teeth saying, I am not going to forgive no matter what this guy says this morning. You have no idea what they did to me, and there's no way I'm going to let them off the hook. There's no way I'm going to forgive, but you need to follow me this morning because it's critical that you understand the power of forgiveness because remember, forgiveness is not about them. Forgiveness is about you. So go, go with me this morning as, as we get into the message today. We're talking about forgiving those who hurt you. Because odds are that if you're older than three years old in this room, you have been hurt in life. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has betrayed you. Somebody has stabbed you in the back. Somebody has abandoned you. Somebody has abused you. Somebody has lied about you. Somebody has uh, uh, tried to destroy you. Odds are that if you're older than three, you have been hurt by somebody, whether it's a parent, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a bully at school, a teacher, a coach, odds are there's some point in your life where you have been hurt, and it hurt. It, it didn't just not feel good, it hurt. It really hurt, and you know what I'm talking about. It hurt. Uh, it could have started as a misunderstanding. A miscommunication between a friend or a relationship you have, and it was a simple misunderstanding, a simple miscommunication, but because you never figured it out, they never figured it out, you never reconciled, there's now a wedge in that relationship, and it all started as a simple miscommunication that could have been easily resolved by just asking, is this what you meant? For some of you, it's a lot worse. For some of you, it's a betrayal. Somebody willfully did something to stab you in the back. They willfully uh, hurt you. They willfully betrayed you. For some of you, it's, it, it was something very violent. It was something that was physical. Uh, God forbid, and it, and it, and it hurt. It, it really affected you. But the problem is, if you don't forgive, it didn't just affect you during that season or during that instant or during that time. It's still affecting you today. And we want to we get in a little bit about this because it's going to be a difficult message for many of you. Uh, and I understand. I mean, I, I'm no different than you. I mean, there, it, there's three rules that you, you're going to learn about Aaron Jane. Three things that you're going to discover about me. Number one, I do not like foul language in front of children. Uh, there's nothing that gets my blood boiling more than somebody that talks filthy in front of children. And if you've ever been to a sporting event, any type of stadium or coliseum in America, guess what? You are going to be around it. 
A few couple years ago, I was, I was preaching at a church up in Seattle, and one of the members in the church had season tickets to the Seahawks. And so after service, I, I'm going to the Seahawks game with the member in the church, one of the elders, their children. And so we're all at the Seahawks game, and we're sitting in this section, and it is the loudest, most obnoxious, drunk section in the entire stadium. The problem is there's children everywhere. And the guy sitting next to me is saying every filthy thing you could possibly imagine. I mean, he was saying words I've never heard, and I didn't have a great life growing up. I mean, I heard some stuff. He's saying stuff I've never even heard. He's sitting there with his pregnant wife. There's children all around. He's just, I mean, it's the foulest language I've ever heard in my life. And I finally, I just had enough. I mean, my blood's boiling. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be good because I'm the, I'm the preacher at this church, and I'm with all these church members, and I'm trying to control myself. I'm trying to, and finally, I just, you know, very nicely, I grab the guy around his neck, and I pull him in real tight and I just whisper in his ear if I hear this language anymore I am going to drag you in the parking lot and beat you into the pavement he didn't like that and he blows up and now it's this huge ordeal I mean he's in my face I'm in his face the whole section and now I'm about to be on the news for getting in a fight and all these church members are there and I'm thinking his wife's crying and it's just turned into a I just couldn't deal with it anymore so pray for me. I mean, it's just, a, it's an issue of my, I don't like foul language around kids. It just drives me crazy. Number two, I don't like gum on the sidewalk. Uh, every time I step on a piece of gum, to tell you that the feeling rage comes into me is an understatement. I mean, I make a vow every time I step on a piece of gum that if I ever, ever catch any human being spit gum onto the sidewalk, it could be a four-year-old child, I will go ballistic on that person. I will literally clean the gum off the sidewalk with their face. I make that vow every time I step on gum on the sidewalk. It just enrages me. Why can't, why on the sidewalk? I mean, anywhere but the side, I cannot stand getting gum on my shoe. The other thing you're going to learn about me as a pastor is I do not like my car getting keyed. There is nothing in life That'll, that, that just enrages me. I was at the Houston Galleria Mall a couple years ago with my wife, and we parked a little too close to the car next to us, and the lady wasn't happy, and she's all up, but nothing happened. I mean, we didn't ding her car, nothing, right? So it's like, listen, just get over it, bye-bye. And we went into the mall, and I, and I go into the mall, and I'm sitting there looking out the window of the restaurant into the parking lot, just making sure the car's okay because she wasn't happy, and I see her king the side of our car. And I am enraged. So I take off sprinting to the parking lot. She jumps in her car. She is, I mean, I'm running on, down the road after her car, trying to catch her car. And literally, literally for months after that, I was dreaming about catching her. I was like, I was camping out in the mall parking lot my entire vacation, just waiting for her to come back. Because if I was going to put a cinder block through her windshield, I mean, I was fantasizing about dreaming about the judgment of God, a meteor falling out of the sky on top of her car one morning. I mean, it, it, it literally, you laugh about it, but two years later, my blood was still boiling every time I thought about it. I mean, I was angry. I mean, you know, two years later, I, I, I think about that incident, and all of a sudden, all this rage, all this anger, all this bitterness, all this resentment would just well up inside of me. And then I was reading Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Don't you just love the Bible? But when you are praying, first forgive anyone 
you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I realized I allowed my car getting keyed to form a wedge between me and God. Where there was this bitterness, there was this anger, there, and you laugh about it, it's funny, you know, and it's like, never even met the woman, and here I am, she's affecting my relationship with God, and I've never even met her. She's probably forgot about it. She's moved on, and I, here I am in a rage two years later, because I never let go of it. I never forgave her. And I read this, and it says, Forgive. If you've got any grudge before you get into God's presence, forgive. And it was tough. It was tough. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Every time I preach on this subject, you should see the emails I've gotten the last couple weeks talking about forgiveness. People saying, Pastor, you don't understand what they did. You're right. I don't know what they did. I don't know how bad it hurt you. I know how bad it hurt me. I know the things that I've been through in life. But you're right. I don't know what they did to you. I don't know how bad it hurt. I mean, it could have been gossip. I mean, gossip that just destroyed your life. It could have been cyberbullying or, or bullying in school. You know, the thing I've seen most as a pastor, you'd be surprised because a lot of times you'd think it was some type of abuse from childhood. But you know, one of the biggest things I've seen in ministry is people that have been tr- betrayed in business. People that have been hurt. A business partner took advantage of them, stabbed them in the back, stole, embezzled money from them, uh, lawsuits in their business, frivolous lawsuits. I've seen that stuff destroy more Christians than anything else because there's something about when you're attacked financially, you're attacked in your business, you're attacked in your career. It, It just seems like it's so much harder to let that go. And it just eats you up on the inside. So there's, there's, there's different situations. Maybe you were abandoned by your parent. Maybe you had a family member or a friend killed by a drunk driver. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you've been through, how you've been hurt, what type of abuse you may have faced or suffered. I don't know what it is. But I'm willing to say every one of us have something that comes to mind. And I pray this morning that you would really allow the Holy Spirit to surface anything inside of you that you're holding on to, surface any resentment, surface any, because, you know, it's not, not even stuff that happened to you all the time that kills you. Sometimes it's the stuff that happens to people closest to you. You see your husband get beat up at work and wives just hold on to that. They just can't take that. The spouse just holds that for, for something their spouse is suffering. The spouse is forgiven and moving on and then the, 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 the other one is holding it for the other. Or maybe something happened to your child or to your parents or brother or sister. You know, it's a lot easier to forgive something that happens to you than forgive something that happens to somebody you love. I mean, understand what I'm saying. So I don't know. Maybe it's been betrayal. Maybe you're still holding on to the, to the, the past of your spouse. Maybe their, their sexual history is something you haven't been able to let go of and they've, you know, they've betrayed you in some way. Or maybe you've been hurt or lied about or gossiped or abused or uh, you've had a lawsuit against you, but there's something in your life that you're, that you're holding on to. You know, a few years ago, and I'm not going to say his name or give you all the details because I don't want it to uh, get back to the person. We'll just call him Glenn. I saw The Wedding Singer years ago. The bad guy was called Glenn. It was one of my favorite movies. So we'll just call him Glenn for the sake of this morning. But Glenn betrayed me about years ago. And it hurt. It didn't just affect me. It affected my family. 
It affected dear relationships that I had in my life. It affected my position. It, it affected so many areas of my life where I felt like my world literally crumbled because of one person. And it hurt. It hurt bad. It, it, it was a pain I did not think I could get over. And I carried the bitterness. I carried the resentment for years, over seven years. I carried this unforgiveness. It turned into bitterness. I, I would dream about their life falling apart. I would literally dream about their career just collapsing underneath them and, and fantasize about God's judgment for what they did to me and, and for all of this pain and this betrayal. Literally just dream about, about everything in their life being taken away and falling apart and them suffering and going through what I went through. The betrayal of it. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of you that, that understand it. So the question I want to ask this morning is who hurts you? Who hurts you? What are you holding on to? What type of resentment is still eating you up in the inside? Somebody at work, dad, mother, parent, brother, sister, coworker, neighbor, teacher, bully at school, who hurts you? And the other thing is what is impossible for man is possible for God because the reality is forgiveness is an impossible ask. It doesn't make sense when God says forgive. It's impossible. It, just, it doesn't make sense in our natural mind to forgive. It's not, it doesn't reason in our logic. Why should I forgive this person for what they did? They were wrong. They were wrong. Why should I forgive them? That doesn't compute with my logic or my reasoning. But let me give you a couple reasons. If you're following in your notes... Why should I forgive? Number one, it's a very selfish reason because unforgiveness hurts me. Unforgiveness hurts me. See, nine times out of ten, they moved on with their life. They're not, they're not losing sleep over what happened to you. Some of them don't even remember your name. And it's still killing you. Unforgiveness hurts me. Hebrews 12, verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, so many of us have this bitter root inside of us, this poisonous, bitter root inside of us, and, and you've even learned to function with that grudge. I mean, you can even maintain a decent lifestyle with that grudge, but it's still eating you up slowly on the inside. It's like this acid that just eats out the inside of you. I mean, the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs, but how many of you understand bitterness keeps detailed accounts? Bitterness keeps very detailed accounts of everything that happened. You know, how many times in marriage do we hear the phrases, you always... Or you never. What is that? It, it's, 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 it's unforgiveness. It's this bitterness. Something happened within that marriage, and now we're keeping detailed accounts like we're building up a courtroom case about the, our spouse. I mean, I don't understand why we, we carry this unforgiveness. You know, it, it's funny. One of the highest grossing iPhone apps of all time is a little game called Angry Birds. How many of you know Angry Birds. And I don't get this game because all it is is these birds that are ticked off. They are angry. They are mad. They're furious. These birds are so full of rage and they're angry at pigs. 
I mean, these evil pigs, these pigs are just so, I mean, and these birds are so, you got these little scowls on their face. They're so mad. They're so angry. You know, I, I, I left, I left the country one time, left my phone with my wife and I came back and I had like five versions of angry birds downloaded on my phone. I don't know what that says about my wife. She's not here this morning to defend herself, but I guess anyone married to me would have to, just kidding. She just loves those mindless, numbless games, angry birds. And and what you do in this bird is you you get, you're this angry little mad bird. I mean, you're just ticked off at the world. You're angry at these pigs, stupid pigs. And, And you put yourself in a slingshot, you pull yourself back and you just fly through the air with this mad frown grimace on your face. And you try to knock down the pig's house and you knock down their building, you knock down their structures. And then when you run into their building, you kind of roll away and then blow up. I mean, it kills you. I mean, I mean, you die as the bird. You're so angry that, that you just want to attack these pigs and then you blow up. And as soon as you get past one level, guess what? There's more pigs. And then you get past that level, then there's more pigs. Then when you, when you beat this game, there's another version of Angry Birds. Angry Bird Rio, Angry Bird London, Angry Bird whatever. And there's always more pigs. Guess what? There's always going to be more pigs. There's always going to be something to be ticked off about. Life is too short to be mad all of the time. You know, unforgiveness, Anne Lamont said, unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison hoping the other person dies. That's what it is. Unforgiveness is drinking rat poison hoping the other person dies. It's like squeezing broken glass. I mean, have you ever just handled some broken glass and squeezed it as tight as you could? That's what unforgiveness is. It just destroys you. It's not hurting them. It's killing you. Number two, why should I forgive? Number one was because unforgiveness hurts us. Unforgiveness hurts me. Number two, because I'll need forgiveness again. I'll need to be forgiven again. There'll be some point in my life where I will need forgiveness again. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Verse 15. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. How many know none of us are perfect? We all make mistakes. We need forgiveness continually. We need forgiveness. The reason we forgive is because we need forgiveness. And if we refuse to forgive, Jesus said, not me, your heavenly father will not forgive you. We talked about a king last week who had a servant that owed him the equivalent of 150 years worth of income. I mean, it was like $17 million or something for this servant that had no way, no hope, no, no, I mean, there was no lottery back then. There was no way he would ever be able to repay this type of debt. It was impossible. And the king, out of his graciousness, forgives this man. And then the man leaves the presence of the king, finds somebody that owes him the equivalent of one day's salary. And he says, pay me now. And the guy said, please forgive my debt. And the guy says, absolutely not. Throws him in the prison. The king is absolutely infuriated because he just forgave him this massive debt. And in Matthew 18, verse 34, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. 
shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Then Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. (coughs) Why should I forgive? But you don't understand. Why should I forgive? But they hurt me. Why should I forgive? But they betrayed me. You forgive because you're going to need to be forgiven. And you forgive because it hurts you. Now let's talk about how to forgive. You know, it's one thing to understand you need to forgive. Now it's, now it's how do I forgive them? What do I do? What is the process? How does forgiveness work? Because it's a lifelong journey. Number one, in your notes, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. And, and it's not praying that they'll get herpes or hemorrhoids or that meteors will fall from the sky on their car. That's what I was praying for Key Girl. I mean, I just wanted a, an asteroid to just land on her car one morning. When she comes out, just bam, smash the car to smithereens. That's what I was praying for. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not the type of prayer. You pray the way he prayed on the cross. Think about this for a second. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was in a flexed position. The flex position and crucifixion would absolutely suffocate you to death. That's why they broke the legs, because it would suffocate them. Because to, to breathe, you have to be able to pull up so that your lungs could expand. You can inhale, and then you can exhale, which was the most agonizing form of breathing you could possibly imagine. So Jesus would hang there, and he would begin to suffocate. Suffocate. And when he couldn't take it anymore, when he would begin to black out, when he would begin to to feel like he would die, he would have to literally pull the weight of his body up on nails in his wrists and push the weight of his body up in nails in his feet. It was the most agonizing, torturous feeling you can imagine just to take a breath, let alone speak. Do you realize what the words, Father, forgive them, cost Jesus, the pain, the agony? It it was agony enough just to get a breath, let alone speak. And here Jesus is on the cross in absolute agony, fighting just to breathe. See, we don't understand what it cost him to say that phrase. The agony, the physical torture on his body to be able to say the words, Father, forgive them. Through his pain, through his agony, Father, forgive them to pray for them. Because the Jewish, they taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That was the Jewish custom. That was their custom. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, he says, You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, what you got to understand, it was normal to hate your enemy. The, The Romans actually had a God for revenge. It was totally socially acceptable to, ha- to believe in revenge, to hate your enemy. That was part of the custom. That was part of the culture of this time period. You hate your enemies. So Jesus says something absolutely radical that goes against all of culture, that goes against all of custom. And he says, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who betray you. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who attack you. So let me explain something about human beings. Right actions will enable right feelings. If you wait till you feel like doing it, you're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. Right actions, doing the right thing will lead you to have the right feelings, but you're never going to feel like forgiving. 
you're never going to feel like forgiving somebody. That's why you choose to forgive them. You make, you make the decision to forgive because choosing to forgive them will lead you to the feeling of forgiveness. But the feeling of forgiveness isn't going to happen. See, remember Glenn we talked about? Seven years into it, carrying around all this bitterness, dreaming every day that his whole world would fall apart and come collapsing around him. It wasn't until I finally got to the point where I could say, God bless him. See, that's all, that, that was all I could pray because, you know, for years my prayer was, God, destroy him. God, bring vengeance. God, uh, avenge me. But it wasn't until I learned how to say, God, would you bless him? And that was all I could say at the time. Now I can pray for him freely. And, and now I actually want to see God bless him. Now it's actually a desire of mine to see God bless and prosper his life. But years ago it wasn't. And it, and it, was, it took hard steps. It took hard action. See, someone asked me, well, you know, Pastor, uh, uh, you know, I heard a story of, of a wife who was getting beaten. Does that mean, you know, I need to forgive and stay with him? No, get out of the house. Forgive him from a distance. You know, we've got our men's group here, and there's some guys in the men's group who are barely saved. We can send them over to talk to your husband. I'm only kind of kidding. <laughs> I want you to understand, forgiveness doesn't mean you stay in abusive situations. You can forgive them from a distance, but you still need to forgive. Colossians, uh, the, second, the second reason why we forgive. And, and this, let, me, let me explain that prayer thing. Just, just one more thing I want to say. My prayer, my, my prayer that God would bless the person that hurt me may not change them, but it always changes me. See, when you pray for others, it may not change them, but it will always change you. It'll change your heart, and that's the key. Number two, how do we forgive? Two, forgive as you've been forgiven. Very simple. Forgive others the very same way that you have been forgiven. How have we been forgiven? We have been forgiven completely. God has forgiven us completely, and God forgives us constantly. Because how many know we constantly need forgiveness? God constantly forgives us. Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, when you've been forgiven, then you have the ability to forgive. When you begin to realize how completely God has forgiven you and how God forgives you constantly, it gives you the power to forgive others that have hurt you, that has betrayed you. See, when I finally got to the point where I could forgive Glenn, when I finally got to the point where I could let it go, see, the, the day I truly forgave him, God set a prisoner free. But the prisoner wasn't him, the prisoner was me. God set me free the day I forgave. Forgiveness is for you. Letting go, not carrying that bitterness. Don't squeeze that broken glass anymore. Quit drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. It's only going to kill you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? There's two groups of people I want to talk to quickly, real quick. With your eyes closed and your head bowed, number one, I want to ask, have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven by God? This may be your first time in church. You may not be a, a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Well, the step to serve Jesus, to follow Jesus, is that you be forgiven. And the way you get forgiven is you ask for it. You say, God, forgive me. So some of you this morning need to be forgiven. And then there's some of you who are believers, who do follow Christ. But throughout this message, there's something that, that the Holy Spirit has kept bringing up in your life. There's, there's a bitterness, there's a grudge, there's a resentment, there's, a, there's an unforgiveness. There's somebody in your life that betrayed you, that hurt you, that abused you, and you haven't let go of it yet. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is just going round and round and round in you saying, let go. Let go. It's not about them. It's about you. I want you to be whole. I want you to be healed. I want you to be fulfilled. I don't want you to to, to, to let this bitterness destroy you and destroy your marriage and destroy your children and destroy your career because I'm telling you, if you don't let it go, it will affect you. It will hurt you. It'll, It'll damage your future. So this morning, if God is saying you need to forgive or God is saying you need to be forgiven, if you're in either one of those situations with no one looking around, every eye closed, I want an opportunity to pray with you quickly. Would you raise your hand right now so I can see it? Thank you. 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 Let me lead you in a very simple prayer to do this. The first step is you just ask God to forgive you. Right now, just say, God, forgive me. Number one, forgive me for not forgiving or forgive me for the first time because I need a relationship with you. Right now, in your own words, in your own way, just say, God, forgive me this morning. Now, those of you that need to forgive, just right now say, God, give me the power to forgive. Give me the power to let go. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I don't want this bitterness, this grudge, this this resentment living inside of me anymore. Give me the power to forgive. Give me the power to let go this morning. Next, I want you to invite God into your life. Invite God to be number one in your life. Invite God to take first place in your life. Just say, God, I want you to be number one. God, I want you to be first in my life this morning. So right now, just just take a moment and invite God to be first place in your life. And then lastly, would you just say thank you to God? Say thank you that he forgave you. Thank you. He paid a debt you couldn't pay. If you had to pay the price for your failure, you would spend eternity in hell separated from God. Hell is a very real place. I know it's not politically correct to talk about, but you've got to understand hell is a very real reality. God doesn't send people to hell. We choose to go there by rejecting Him. So just say thank you that He forgave you. He didn't have to, but He did. He forgave you something that you could never do yourself. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't repay. He did it because he loved you. He did it freely. So just take a moment to say thank you.